Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'd like to be joined this morning by Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland as we look back on a huge weekend of football for Everton Football Club. Not only did the Blues pick up a much-needed win away from home, the first since August, and he's Leicester City at the King Power, but they also resulted to the bottom three thanks to Arsenal beating Leeds United at the Emirates, while relegation rivals Burnley also suffered defeat at the hands of Aston Villa at Turf Moor in what could prove to be a vital and monumental turn and Good days for the Blues in their battle to avoid the drop. But bees, I'm going to start with you because although all eyes were on King, the King Power yesterday, there was some events on Saturday afternoon that took place that you obviously were covering for the Echo and another yeah. piece on. And that was Everton's sort of farewell trip from Finch Farm to, to, to Leicester before the game and the send-off they got from Blues supporters. It was another act of, of true support, wasn't it, from the Blues? Yeah, I'm sure Joe will obviously go on to it on, on, on the, what happened at... Uh, um the King Power um, yesterday and the, the incredible support that was shown for the game. But that really set the, t- the, the tone for the weekend. We'd seen that incredible support at Goodison that, that the previous week had got that's come over the line against Chelsea. People saying they've not known that for, you know, many a year, certainly for a daytime fixture. And yeah, but it's one thing showing your support in the stadium, but turning out Finch Farm, 10 miles out from Liverpool City Centre out there in Halewood. And they were there en masse and... Uh, you know, if that doesn't give you a booster, I don't know what doesn't. You know, fair play to the players. They have responded. You know, they've been underachieving for a long time, but they've seen that support. They've seen that passion from the fans. And who knows? I think it really has helped them get them over the line in, in these fixtures. They've seen just how important um, this is to Evertonians and how much it, it means to them. Of course, it means it means everything to all clubs. You know, we, we can't be dismissive on that point. But given Everton's proud long history in the, in the top flight and the, the fans are just doing everything they can to try and lift these players and they and they have responded in, in recent weeks and I think it, it you know the, that support they got from that Finch Farm and obviously Joe will go on to mention it, that the game itself really did play a big part in them getting these results and uh, it, it was quite emotional really to see that you know I, I've shed a tear over many things in my life never over football but I've, I felt emotional seeing those, those scenes at, at, at Finch Farm it, it and um, Frank seemed to lap it up, you know, fist bumping with, with the young fans on the on the father's shoulders and things like that. You know, it was it was really inspirational, really. And I think that the players did take that on board. Joe, B said there in terms of it set the tone, used the King Power yesterday for the echo cover in the game. And I think what we can safely say is the noise and the support from that away end was nothing short of incredible. It was it was absolutely sensational. You know, I've been to a lot of football matches in my time. Very, very rarely seen anything as in, intense and as passionate as that from from an away following. It, it really was, you know. To last last weekend against Chelsea was was phenomenal. That was intense. That was that was crazy. Um, obviously, you expect to be able to rally the troops when you're on home soil, of course. You know, when you're in your own backyard, to then go to somewhere like Leicester and you know the atmosphere for the Leicester fans. I think it, it was a bit of an end of season kind of 
last day of term for them almost. The sun was shining, they got nothing really to play for. But obviously, they, you know, there's a lot of artificial noise in that stadium. You know, the, the, the speakers are very loud. They've got these, they dish out these clappers to the ever to the Leicester fans, which make a hell of a lot of noise, even when not many people are using them. But mm. you know, those three thousand three hundred and thirty nine or so Everton fans just drowned everything out for so much of yesterday. It was it was bonkers. You know, from about from about twenty minutes into the game all the way through to the end, and then at the end, you know, I was sat there filing, you know, what's essentially the match report, you know, up to, you know, 10, 15 minutes still in the stadium, still in BC doing that. And just to the soundtrack of, of those, of those blues fans, you know, it really was a, a party atmosphere. You know, I wrote it in, in one of my pieces that, you know, if, if you were, if you were a neutral, I had no idea what was going on. You'd think that it almost, the roles had been reversed, that actually it was, you know, it was, it was the Everton fans that have just flirted with Europe, that have stocked stocked up their trophy cabinet in recent years with you know with, with silverware. You know the fact that they can, the fact that they can muster that amount of enthusiasm, that amount of drive, determination, passion, create such intense atmosphere in so many different scenarios. Given the situation that Everton fans have been in, and they've been through, is just phenomenal. And just God help anybody if Everton actually have any success. <laughs> Gav, we will touch on the game shortly, but in terms of the supporters, they deserve a huge amount of credit, don't they? Because I think after the Wolves game, you know, we were both there and there was a, a kind of a feeling of it, it was done in terms of relegation, silence at full time, you know, the, the mummerings to the, the people next to you, but there was a, a almost a kind of an air of invincibility of what was to, to come. Yeah. The supporters simply took the mantle around me and said, we're not going to accept relegation, we're going to do all we can to, to get the lads over the line and, and, and pull ourselves away from danger and and we're going to give it our absolute all, and, and they deserve huge much credit for that, don't they? Oh, definitely. Uh, fantastic scenes last week, fantastic scenes during and after the game on yesterday. It's that clip on American telly where they, they stayed on for like three or four minutes, didn't he, on the way, way, uh, way end. I'd seen somebody last night said, they compared, they said it was the best away atmosphere since White Hart Lane in, in 1985, when... Um, going for the title, and I was there that night, and that's the best Everton game I've ever been to. Uh, so if it's sort of that level of intensity and power, then, you know, it was obviously brilliant. I wouldn't have fancied being in the Everton end if I had the hangover yesterday, really. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you've got a bit of a headache and you want, like, a bit of a quiet afternoon and not too much noise. I think it might have been, might have been a little bit too much for me, really, if it had been hungover. Um, but, yeah, fabulous. But I've said all along... Is and I'm not. This is not a criticism. It's just an observation that players get you over the line. Supporters don't. You still up to the players. You still you still got to do your job, and the, the management team as well. And if Everton stay up, and I think we're twelve to one to go down, which was considering we were six to four on last Saturday. Uh, if you do stay up, you have to put supporters have played a part, but ultimately, it's down to Jordan Pickford. Pulling off world class saves, it's up to Frank and his coaching team getting the right system. It's up to you know it will be being a up and down, you know right back, Michalenko pulling out a worldie when you need it. Those those things get you over the line. Supposed to play a role, but it's ultimately the players and the management. The reason is not if the bottom of the table, it's their fault. And um, I think 
you know, full credit for, for the, the players and the management and the coaching staff. You, you, you get the impression that the coaching staff, I, mean, I know coming off on the tangent here, sorry, but I think it's relevant to the, the question because it, it's everybody. You get the impression that the coaching staff have really got to go things over the last couple of weeks as well. But the sports have been fabulous uh, yesterday as we were at Chelsea and um, I expect those scenes to be, you know, seen again between now and the end of the season. These in terms of yesterday's game then and looking back on it on a whole, you know, it was, this is an Everton team that haven't won the away game since August when they beat Brighton 2-0. It's a, it's an it's an Everton team that has suffered numerous away day woes. They 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 often kind of found a way to drop points to get beat on the road. But this was a real battle and hard fought, long overdue, spirited away away day display, wasn't it, from Frank Lampard's side? Yeah, it, it had everything really. So so many elements that we think is why it was so important. Um, I imagine a lot of Evertonians would have been happy taking four points from these two away games this week. Uh, but now they've got three points. Now they've got that monkey off their back and they finally got that long overdue away win. They'd be thinking, oh, well, we'll get all six now. Um, so it's it's that element. It's finally um, banishing those away day blues. And for whatever reason, because I mean, I did a piece on Saturday. There's never been, as much as Everton been struggling, there's never been a discrepancy in modern times between the home form and the away form as there has been this season. Obviously, we knew the what are the top 10 home form. And they rock bottom away form. So, like 10 places different. I mean, it just didn't sort of add up. I think I think in, in the piece I was doing, it was showing that the biggest discrepancy in the previous meeting had been seven places. Um, and that was only um, since Mr. Mashiri had taken control. So, it sort of was this group of players as well where they, they've not done the business away from home so to finally um to, to grind out that result and of course there was adversity again i mean they've gone ahead with that amazing goal from mikalenko and we'll obviously talk about that going forward but then there's a mistake as well as another howler at the back and mix up and that ends up yuri mina going off after that that collision and you think whoa here we go again and um they're facing adversity in that respect. So to, to, to reclaim the lead and that the, the, there were tough um, times there, Pickford again, as we've mentioned, to pull out a few more worldies. But yeah, backs against the wall and and they finished the job. You just, you just got to hope now it gives them that platform to go to go to Watford and build on it. And it, it, it's all of a sudden, like I say, the, the results going in their way as well. Um, it's looking far rosier than it was. Even after uh, even after the, the Chelsea result, um, it's actually been a weekend where everything sort of went Everton's way, provi providing those injuries aren't too bad. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe, in terms of, you know, Beast was trying to dare, but in terms of the equaliser, Everton conceded where, you know, the Mina and Coleman were into each other and allowed Zaka to, to race clean and score. You know, that 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 was a feeling of here we go again. You know, Everton have shot themselves in the foot. But do you think it's a testament to, to Frank Lampard, mainly as manager and as Gav Touch and his coaching staff in general, that Everton have, have got a new farm mentality that they simply, you know, brushed, brushed their mistake aside, picked themselves up and went again and 
you know, do you think maybe a couple of, you know, certainly a couple of months ago, that probably would have been a game Everton would have went on to, 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 to be beaten in because they would have maybe fell apart? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, mistakes, individual errors, collective errors have been a feature of Everton's season. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and trying to sort those out has probably been one of Frank's main missions. I mean, just after the Leicester equaliser yesterday, there was another coming together when trying to deal with a high ball. And that was that was uh, Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate took each other out trying to do one. Now, Everton didn't get punished for that. But, you know, 20 minutes in, one each, and having seen those two clangers, you, you are looking at things and thinking, is this going to be another one of those, of, of those days? It didn't turn out to be, I think, one of the big impact, I think one of, I know he was involved in the mix for the first goal, but I think the impact of, of having both Coleman and Delph, I think has helped a lot. Obviously, you know, the coaching staff and Frank will have done a lot at Finch Farm, but they've also spoken a lot about how Coleman's a leader on the pitch. I spoke to Jordan Pitford um, last week and he was talking about his emergence of a leader and how when he's out there balling and looks like he's screaming, shouting, really he's trying to, shout out instructions and, and, and give demands to his players and organise them. Um, but I think if you look at since the international break, obviously Coleman's come back after a bit of an absence. Delph come back after months out. And I think both of them have just added a lot of composure into that side. You know, I think I think, I think we all understand that Everton aren't the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league. And I think, I think Frank understands that now after having a few months to look at those players, that when he comes up against someone like a Leicester or, you know, always more obvious with someone like, you know, a Chelsea or, or a Liverpool, what it's about now is it's not about trying to necessarily outplay them at football. It's just trying to make the most of the strengths that you've got. Obviously, we see the, a lot of what he's doing against some of these sides that like to try and play through teams is to try and force them out wide. And then, you know, if they're, if they're putting crosses into the box, having a relatively comfortable at dealing with crosses. And I think it's just a lot more about organisation and composure and strategy, you know, a clear plan going into games, which is then being executed by having leaders on the pitch and experienced footballers who can who can pick up themselves and those around them after mistakes. You know, yesterday... Evan made a couple of mistakes. It's the first time in a, in a good few games, really, that they've, they've been undermined or a, a mistake had been costly. And I think that shows their development. And I think what was further highlighting that development that Frank's managed to get into and some of those players are managing to have an impact on is the fact that after a, you know, a mad five minutes yesterday, they kind of they got their heads back together and you know, they were resolute, they were resilient. They, they, weren't, they weren't brilliant yesterday. They didn't tear Leicester apart or anything like that. But what they did do was they made it hard. And this is what they did against Chelsea. It's what they did against Manchester United. It's what they did in the second half against Leicester. And it's what they did for the first hour against Liverpool. What they did was they, they made it hard for the opposition to beat them rather than beating themselves. And that's probably a bit of a turning point. Everton aren't throwing away games themselves at the minute, which is what they have done various points throughout the season they're at least asking questions to the opposition and forcing them to come up with the answers and the way it's gone the last few weeks for a lot of different factors coach will be one of them returning players the fans all of a sudden Everton uh you know actually coming up trumps when they're being asked to defend and put men behind the ball but then also show a bit of ruthlessness on the Everest on the uh, when they're going forward and they're getting results as a, as a consequence Gavin, in terms of you know individual performances, there's so many we, we can pick out. There's 
There's so many we can talk about, but we're going to start at the back because Jordan Pickford, it seems, you know, in recent weeks, certainly, but pretty much all season, if we're being honest, is on a one-man mission, isn't he, to make sure Everton are like playing in the Premier League next season. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And this is what I'm saying about before, about its players that keep you up, players that send you down. And if Jordan doesn't have two absolutely world-class performances in the last two games, we could have conceivably, conceivably lost both matches and we'd be having a different conversation to what we're having now. And he was outstanding yesterday. He wasn't that busy in the first half. He had that, it was just a flurry in the second half, wasn't it? Of three great saves, I don't know, in 10 and 15 minutes uh, span. And he, uh, you know, it was a, it's funny enough, I was watching Andy Gray and he said the third save was the best because it came through a you know a rook of players and you've seen it late, you know, where he, he died to his left and tipped it around the, the corner. I thought the second one was outstanding because it was very short reaction time. And you know, there's a difference there comparing Schmeichel in the first half, who's got a you know, great reputation as a great goalkeeper. I probably argue he isn't when Schmeichel parried the header from the Charles went straight to Holgate. You know, Pickford's parry yesterday took it out for the a corner, didn't it? And that's the difference between the two keepers. And that's when you, you think, well, you know how Hardy Schmeichel's race as well. Pickford's obviously, to me, is a much better keeper. And he was outstanding yesterday. I, I said after the the, the, the Chelsea game, you, you could have driven an armoured personnel carrier at him and he would have stopped it. And, but for one mistake yesterday, I think it was probably the same, wasn't it? And you, you saw his reaction. Um, he's I don't think he was too happy with our defenders on occasions if he was running out. <laughs> but um yeah, he was he was outstanding and he, he's not on a one man mission, but he's certainly been a massive contribution, hasn't he, over the last last month um, to to is it ten points from five games we've got. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant again yesterday. Um and I must ask Ad why he only got nine on ten, not ten on ten for his match <laughs> reasons when I see him at the time. But yeah, outstanding. But and but as you say, Connor, this this form's been going eighteen months ago. But, you know, it started and he was he was superb. He's listeners of this podcast and and Evertonians in general know how good Jordan Pickford's been for a, a long for, for a long time now. Mm-hmm. They, they will keep reminding him. But do you think over the last two weekends, certainly the the, the football, the rest of the football and public yeah. have seen what Evertonians have been going on about for so long and are witnessing their own eyes just just how impressive Jordan Pickford's been. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something I was talking to Michael Ball about um, a short while ago. Yeah, we've seen up close, haven't we, for a long time, just what he's, he's capable of. And there's been this idea about Jordan, what you call it, agenda or whatever. I mean, as England number one, it's the first time Everton have had to experience something like that. Obviously, Neville Southall's best in the world when he was Everton, but he was playing for Wales. But as, as England number one, it does bring a certain amount of scrutiny with that and you're always under the microscope and then there's maybe people pushing um, their own different agendas if you're playing for what it seems as being a more fashionable club and obviously um, Ramsdale's at times this season, he's had um, people backing him. But yeah, they pick for the, the reality is that um, he's been very consistent, like Gav says now, for probably 18 months or more and um, it's a very sort of lazy sort of synopsis of, of the situation to think, well, Everton are struggling, so Jordan Pickford's not been at his best, or maybe he's not been playing well, but he's been outstanding for a long time. It was the same going into the Euros um, last summer. I mean, there were people saying, oh, well, he only plays well for England, and we'd be proven it. We'd looked at all our player ratings in the three months going into it at the end of last season, 
and he'd actually gone in and really good form for Everton going into the Euros where he'd actually got the, the golden glove, was it? So, yeah, he, he, he's a very capable um, goalkeeper and he produces these amazing saves. Like I said, last weekend, that one he did against Chelsea, the highest compliment I could say to him, that's as good as anything I've seen from Southall. So, it would be a massive, really, because I think staying up, he's one of the he's one of the Everton players you'd be hoping would be remaining at the club. Whereas if Everton were to be relegated, and don't forget, you know, it's not over yet. It's looking a lot more rosy now, but you know, it's not job done yet. If Everton were to be relegated this summer, you can't imagine an England number one wanting to go into a World Cup not playing in the Premier League. So I mean, so it could be a huge thing for for Pickford's Everton future that, that you know that Everton stay in the Premier League. Joe, another player who opened his Everton account yesterday in spectacular fashion, um, but in general, produced another solid defensive display before being replaced the second half with Vitaly Mikalenko. The, the, the young Ukrainians getting best and best, isn't he? But he's passing game and, and has really become a, a solid, reliable Everton option, hasn't he, at left back? Yeah, he, he really has. I mean, his, his, his rise in stature and his importance at Everton's side has just been so impressive over, over recent months. I mean, obviously, the first thing everyone goes back to when they think of him is what's going on in his homeland with the Russian invasion. And it's, it's, you know, it's impossible to understand how difficult that must be uh, for him. But bravely, he's, you know, he's, he's still playing football. And, you know, amidst those personal difficulties, you know, he came into the club under very difficult circumstances from a, from a footballing perspective as well. You know, he came after that, or amidst that January chaos of the controversial departures of, 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 of Luca Dean and, and then Rafa Benitez. And, you know, we see it time and time again. There probably isn't a position on the pitch that we've seen more evidence of it being difficult to acclimatise to in the Premier League if you're coming in from, from, from foreign leagues you know, than, than the fullback position. You know, time and time again, we see, especially January transfer window signings. Remember one being obviously you know, Patrice Evra when he, he, he signed for Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. And for months, he really, really struggled. It wasn't until he'd had those introductory months and then he'd had a summer and pre-season and then he ended up becoming, obviously, the, the decorated player for, for that side that he, that he was. And we see it with other fullbacks as well. So, you know, it take, often takes time for, for fullbacks to, to get up to speed with the Premier League and to have an in, in, impression he hasn't really been able to be afforded that time because of Everton's situation well, I was going to say injury situation but then partly it's also the result of poor recruitment and long-term planning decisions over the years you know we haven't been in a situation where they've been desperate for a left back to emerge in the, you know in, after the departure of, of Dinia and in those early games um, you know around February well it took a while for him to get into the side but you know see it wasn't wasn't clear how quickly he was going to get up to speed but since the international break he's he's just grown with every game he was the the, the game that started for me was probably the man united game he was, he was excellent in that and that was a you know obviously that was probably the first of the set of big results that Evan have had since relegation started to look like a real real danger and with each passing game he's got better and better and you know, he, de- he deserved that moment. I mean, it's easy to say that he deserved it from a personal point of view yesterday. Of course he does. But just from a professional point of view, you know, he hasn't just played. He's played and he's got what he's, he's played and he's, he's played well. He's developed. He's clearly fighting for everything. 
and I felt that he just needed almost, he just needed a special moment, like a highlight, just to kind of cap it off. And it so nearly came against Chelsea last week and it would have made the the second half a lot more easy, a lot more easy to watch for all of us if just after Richarlison scored, obviously the, the ball came, I think Decore fed in, in Mikalenko at the back post and he, he had enough time and space to have done better really. He could have, he could have put Everton 2-0 up instead he, he failed it high and wide. And I think you could see the disappointment on his face at the time. Well, you know, he's got that moment. He's only had to wait a week, wait a week for it. And, and what a moment it was. I mean, it was a superb strike and obviously it set, set the tone for it. Got Everton off to a good start and they needed that, you know, against Leicester at Goodison Park. You know, Leicester took the lead after five minutes and they played Everton off the park for the first 30. Even yesterday, before, even though Mikalenko only scored after six minutes, Leicester had already provided a few scares. You know, Pickford had already been um, tested once uh, by, by Ian Acho and Dakar had had one cleared almost off the line from, from Mina. So it was clear that Leicester were going to pose a threat and Everton needed something to settle them. And you know, They got a bit of a bit of magic from an unexpected source, but but one that one that one that deserved to have that moment in the spotlight. You know, it was, it was brilliant to see, and I'm, and I'm so glad that you know, we alluded to it earlier. Obviously, Everton then conceded. They had the a bit of a calamity for the for the equaliser, and so often this season we probably would have seen them then go on to lose that game. You know, I'm not just delighted for Mikalenko that he's had that incredible moment, but I'm, I'm delighted for him that, that it means something that it's mattered. You know, it's a goal that's helped them win three points that could be crucial to say in the in the Premier League rather than just be overshadowed by, you know, another collapse as may have been the case in you know in, in November or December. You know, it's a big goal, it's a big personal moment for him, but it's a big moment for, for Everton as a football club. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Gav, in terms of, you know, Mikhailenko since he come in, you know, it's probably the modern-day football fan trend now that people are quick to judge, people are quick to cast opinion without actually, you know, witnessing a few games with their own eyes. But do you think there's a few Evertonians eating humble pie when it comes to Mikhailenko, given how impressive he's been in recent weeks and how he's, he's seemingly come on? Um, I'm not sure about that. I think there's a general understanding that when he came in in January, it was, it was difficult for him. Um, and also for lots of reasons, as Joe said, like you know, foreign foreign players generally, you know, you do need time to settle. And he's only had four or five good games, by the way. So you need to have half a season, don't you? And push on, you know. So you judge him next year, like a lot of players. But you can see the attributes he's got and how well, you know, well suited will be for to English football, and you've seen a, a far more of an attacking threat in the last few games. It's every modern fullback needs. And I just thought that was a brilliant goal yesterday. I don't know if you saw Ian Wright talking about it last night, saying what a difficult technical goal it was yeah. because of the height of the ball that it came to, him. and also as well, there wasn't a lot of power on the cross, wasn't it? It was a bit of a floaty cross, so all the all the power from 
the shot had to come from him. He couldn't just feed off the cross. And if you see him, he takes a massive swing with his left foot. You know, he doesn't just, just sort of strike it normally. He takes a really big swing. And to get it on target and right in the corner from that, from you know, from that position, you know, no pace on the cross, quite high up. That, that was somebody who's a very, very good player. You know, you know, if you want to go retro 80s, I meant, you know, Kevin Seedy-esque, you know, and he has the best left foot I've ever seen. So, yeah, that was a special moment. But like a lot of things, we, we need to judge him on far more games. But he's heading in the right direction, isn't he, over the last four or five matches. And if he carries on where he's going and you see the type of player he is, you see his physical stature, his range, he's a good defender. He covers ground quickly. He's got all the attributes to be a you know a, a, you know a very good Premier League fullback. But it's it's early days, yeah. But you know, I'm made up for the lad. He, like a lot of fans, he's probably my new favourite player. So I was made up to see him see him score yesterday. He's another Everton player who impressed yesterday, and has done the last couple of weeks playing on the opposite flank was Alex Obi. There's, mm. there's obviously been a lot said about Obi since his arrival at the club, and, and people have been you know quick to pass comments. Previously, but the fair place lad, he's really stepped up to the mark, hasn't he? The last couple of weeks, and he's put a real shift in for, for the side in the bit in the survival bed. Yeah, he's, pro- he's probably been the one whose whose fortunes have sort of risen the most compared to where they were at under the Lampard regime. And so, he's a big praise to Alex Iwobi and big praise to Frank Lampard because I mean, he came to the club under under Marco Silva, didn't he? And under Silva. Ancelotti and Benitez, he, he, he never really produced um, what many Evertonians were, were expecting, was it quite right, you know, for um, the huge fee that they, they paid for him. It was strange in the circumstances he came to the club in that, you know, it's all very much in the last minute on transfer deadline day. They were supposedly in for Zahar and that never happened. And then Wobi was out on a, was it in a boat in Dubai or something and ends up signing via the deal sheet for Everton and for, for a big fee. So uh, they, they were a lot expected from him and, and we're saying that the sort of the performances and the displays that he's producing now are not in a way that we were thinking well, Everton would be getting with Alex Awobi. He's not turned out to be the player that they thought he would be and after underachieving for a, for a few years um, they said Lampard deserves a great amount of praise and so does the players who finally finding a role for him to finally sort of He's responding again to, to what the fans have done. You know, he he seems to finally tweak that. You know, if I do a run or put a tackle in or something, and the, the crowd really appreciate that sort of side of my game, and um, he, he's feeding off that. And uh, yeah, he, he's turned it around as much as anyone. And still, you mean you want more improvements and you want to see sort of a greater output in, in, in the final third? I know he obviously had that. that last gas goal against Newcastle United when he was the, the coolest man in, in Goodison Park to take that chance. But you want a bit more of an end product for him. But yeah, he, he's he certainly responded and um, might not be the type of player that Everton thought they were getting, but credit to him and the manager for, for finally getting the tune out of him at, at long last. So in terms of a ball, he's obviously played the number 10. He's played at right wing back. Is it now a case of he needs to find a position and almost stick to that and and not become someone who's so versatile and someone who can play so many different options for the Blues? No, no, not necessarily, I don't think. I think the versatility has almost been forced upon him by the combination of 
to say perhaps a lack of joint thinking with recruitment and then you know the, the terrible injury scenario that Everton have had this season because it has you know, they have had a lot of bad luck with injuries. You know, I think that for so long, for so much of his Everton career, he's been played out of position, and then that's a really you know a, t- a really difficult situation for him. The thing that Frank Lampard seems to have done is. And he seems to have done this for, for a number of players, and I think it's had an, an effect. Is he's basically sim, simplified their tasks? He's, he's simplified what he's asking them to do. He's got Awobi, who is you know his favourite position is in at number ten, and you know after he got that goal against Newcastle, he, he gave Awobi a, a chance to play in that position for a couple of games, and and it was off the back of that 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 Awobi managed to kind of secure his place in the starting lineup. You know, I don't think it's come as a as a as a great shock that his best run of form came when, for the first time in a substantial period, he was played in a position that he wants to actually play. Um, obviously, you know, Frank, like any manager, adopts his 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 formation and his tactics depending on the opposition and depending on the scenario that Everton are in. And you know, for Chelsea and for Leicester yesterday, that kind of demanded. It will be to kind of fill in as a as a right wing back to tuck in when Everton haven't got the ball, and I think that what's been really positive is is, is we've seen kind of both facets of, of his game. You know, Wobi has been a, an attacking threat over over recent weeks when he's he's played in his preferred position. He probably would have been more dangerous had he had again better players around him. Perhaps the wrong phrase because Anthony Gordon you know has been exceptional this season and Richarlison is, is, is wonderful as well but you know I think Everton are very much kind of patching up their attacking lineup to deal with the fact that they haven't got a recognised striker and because of that that probably makes it a bit harder for some of the attacking players you know to for a Warby to try and build a connection with someone that he can feed through, balls through to um, and for someone someone that he can play off you know I, I think that we've seen both Facets, both positive facets from from Awobi in in you know, the past six weeks or so, and that is that when you play him, there's a reassuring element that when you play him in his preferred position, he can genuinely do a job, um, and if and and he could be somebody that Frank builds a side around next season in his preferred position. But even with all that, and even when Everton have got their backs to the wall. He's not someone that's thrown a tantrum when he's got to play out of position, when he's got to do the dirty work. Yes, he did the dirty work phenomenally well. You know, he was always tussling and tackling down, you know, the, the, the Leicester wide men, uh, bursting forward whenever he could. And, and there was a lot being asked of him, you know, looking at it, you know, there were, there were still obvious glitches within what Evan were trying to do yesterday. That, you know, that even though they've become very effective at perhaps, you know, being compact in the middle, and the low defensive line, and then breaking out from it, it still isn't quite perfect. And, and yesterday, it required a lot of work from from two men, really, from Decore and, and from Iwobi, to to sit in you know to sit in front of the, of, of the back three and play a, a big defensive role. But then also to be constantly, on every opportunity they could do, to be bursting up the pitch to try and link defence to attack. And you know, I think as, as reassuring as it is that Iwobi can be in front when he plays in his favour positions we've seen it's also reassuring he's clearly got the, the drive the determination um, and the discipline actually to, to do a job that you know he might not fancy he might not see as his natural job to do but to but to do it really well 
when the team needs it to. You know, there's clearly there's clearly a player in there, but there's clearly a player that wants to do a job for Everton. And, you know, I, I don't think that's always been clear, not necessarily with him, but just with, with a lot of Everton players in, in general, as if, you know, they've been in difficult situations, obviously constantly changing managers and injuries and poor form and things like that. It's felt like Everton, the players are always reacting to something else and that can't be easy for them. But it is good to see the way that Iwobi has, has kind of, again, like a few other players, come to the fore in, in, in recent weeks, shown he's up for the battle. And, you know, it suggests that he does have some pride in wearing in wearing that, that, that blue shirt when he, when he puts it on. He wants to be in and around that starting lineup. He hopefully wants a, wants a future at Everton. So I think that based on, you know, based, based on what we've seen in these most difficult of circumstances, Evan, stay up. You know, I, I hope he's someone that can play a big part in their future going forward. I mean, in terms of the overall relegation picture at the weekend, it was a pretty huge weekend in general for the Blues, with, with Leeds getting beat at Arsenal and, and Burnley getting beat at home to, to Aston Villa. Just, I know it's, 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 it's difficult to say, but just how big of a, a swing do you think them two results were, along with Everton's win in terms of the picture and, and, and moving forward now to the final couple of weeks of the season? Uh, I think it's reflected in the odds, isn't it? So we, we, we were six to four on to go down last Saturday tea time. What are we, 12 to one now? Something like that. Um, so, yeah, massive. And this way, I mean, like the previous weekend it worked against us, Burnley winning and then we're playing, and this week it worked for us. So, you, know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, m- massive. And I, I think... <laughs> Looking at Burn, if you won three hours of 28, do you then win six on the spin? You know, maybe we've overestimated the, the impact mm-hmm. of the, the new manager. And we've, yeah, we've, we these six points have just been absolutely massive. Two games that you probably would have taken. If you, I'd win. A win and defeat would have been gold, really, wouldn't it? But to win both. And with the support, as you say, and there's a there's a real sense of momentum is absolutely absolutely priceless. And we've put ourselves in a position now where I think if we perform to the level that we've done over the last five games, then it's in our own hands and we can you know, we we've got enough in the tank, I think, to to get ourselves over the line, even regardless of the other other teams' results. So yeah, absolutely massive, and you hope that this this can act as a turning point in, in you know in the club and you know Frank's tenure after a difficult start, and he's had. And if he comes through, it full, full credit to Frank and his coaching staff who I think have really stepped up to the plate in the last last five games. Just, just going back to my, I spoke about the coaching staff at the start. You can see where that's working with. Mikhail Anko and the Wobi card because they're obviously well coached in terms of the role within the team and what they've got to do. And you see that with Makanko. I'll get his name right one day, seriously. <laughs> with our Ukrainian left back. Um you know, obviously far better coached and you know, know know the roles far better. So yeah, but going back to your original question, massive, still in our own hands. We're now looking up the table rather than behind us, perhaps, and um, yeah, all credit to everybody over the last five games, ten points, well done. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, 
The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In terms of, you know, with the support, the way Frank Lampard seemingly took the support, the way the supportive team took to Frank Lampard, even in these kinds of weeks and, and months of adversity, do you think this is the sign of something special that is brewing here, Everton? And should they should they stay up now? There's a real chance for something to be built and, and something to be kind of worked upon and, and something special to come of this? Yeah, I think that was part of the reason we've all been feeling so rotten in recent weeks is, is the time. And of course, it's 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 never a good time to go down. It's never a good time to be relegated. But because there's so much potential on the horizon at Everton, it would seem particularly cruel and particularly unfortunate for it to happen this season. The, the new stadium on the way, you know, it's full steam ahead in that respect. And uh, progress is being made there. We've just heard before the weekend how there was... Um, you know, the, the actual physical skeleton of the stands will be emerging this summer, so you actually be able to see the, the stadium physically emerging at, at um, Bramley Moor Dock. So that's on the way in a couple of years' time. And they finally the, a manager who everybody could could get behind, like you're saying, um, after almost having their identity taken from them under Rafa Benitez, you know, a, a decision that was very much Mr Mashiri's, um We've got a manager now who we understand was the unanimous choice of, of all of the board and the Goodison's uh, power brokers. And there's been reciprocated with and, and the sort of the uniting force he's had with the fans. He's singing his name from the first game. They wanted him to succeed. And after a real tough start, he is now producing the results. I mean, I, I, I did a piece, obviously, even before the Leicester game, whereas um, there'd been this idea that Everton had somehow declined under Lampard. That wasn't the case. As Gav said, Burnley had had these results that didn't sort of tally with everything that had come before. The new manager had come in and they, they, they'd had this bounce and then all of a sudden Everton moved down. It's not because Everton's results have declined. It's just because Burnley had this sort of unprecedented bounce and Lampard had actually taken 13 points from his first 13 games, which was more than twice what Benitez had taken from his last 13 games, six points. And obviously he's added another victory onto to that now. So the fans very much wanted to see succeed. He's bought into that. You know, he seemed totally at ease with the fans when they were getting that send-off from Finch Farm. It's not like he was like, ooh, what's going on here? He, you know, he was loving it, wasn't he? Fist bumps out the window, smile on his face. He embraces it. He knows what it means Um to be an Evertonian now and just how passionate the, the fans are. And yeah, there's, there's so much potential if for, for next season, if, so long as they can get this job done this year. I mean, let's remember, they are still only a point above the, the relegation zone, but it's very much with the potential to build on that now with the, the Watford game and the two home matches after that to, to get the job done. But yeah, it, it can be brighter times ahead if they can, as we said all along, just, just sort themselves out this year. Joe, we just touched on it there in terms of the what the Watford game and how big it is because you know I've a, a far from confirmed as, as a Premier League club for next season, but it's absolutely right. We have the Blues go to Bickford Road on Wednesday and get all three points and carry on momentum and, and and give themselves another massive chance of staying in the Premier League next season. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's certainly vital that they don't lose the game. I mean I think if if 
you know, as I think Gav said earlier, if you've offered four points from these two away games on Saturday, I think we would have taken them. Um, and it would be disappointing to go to Watford now. I think I've lost the last 11 at home and, 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 and not win. And I think that there's a little bit of a, of, of a fear that now that their relegation has been confirmed, that the pressure might be off and some of their players might cut loose. But I found quite interesting Ben Foster's comments after their defeat on, on Saturday where you know, he called out quite a few of the players basically saying that there were too many that only really wanted to play for an hour um, and weren't prepared to dig in for a full 90 minutes, and which is the absolute contrast to, to what Everton are at the moment. And that kind of offered me hope that maybe there isn't some, you know, lifting of, of, of pressure and Watford are going to st- surprise us all and start playing free-flowing football under, under Roy Hodgson on on on, um, on Wednesday night. The, clearly, there is a job that still needs to be done. But thanks to the efforts of the last few weeks, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, it's always just about stayed in Everton's hands. But, you know, if, if you look at the fixtures, what's crucial, what, what, what would be massive, I, I think, is... Everyone needs to do now everything they can do to make sure they don't need a result at Arsenal away. That's that's what they need to do. Like they, they can't leave it to the last game of the season. Arsenal are obviously fighting at the top end of the table. They're in a situation where wins, certainly at the moment and maybe well at the end of the season, do have an importance to them. I'm not saying that they couldn't go to Arsenal and get something. Obviously, other other sides have taken points off Arsenal in recent weeks, and we know that, like so many clubs in the Premier League, that you know, they have their own kind of questions over resilience when, when things get tough, but but really it needs to be done at the Palace game, if not before. And I think where the Watford game is so crucial, not just in, in, in building momentum and that, but you know, if Everton do go to Watford and win, there's every chance actually this weekend, you know, they, they may well have their safety secured. Looking at the fixtures, you know, obviously Leeds go to Chelsea, um, well, sorry, Leeds play Chelsea this week. Burnley play, it's the game in hand on Burnley in midweek, and then Burnley are away at the Tottenham Hotspur side that need to win and in good form at the weekend. You know, if, if Everton can make it three wins in a row, then the chance are they'll probably still need a couple more points to guarantee safety. But yeah, if, if we have another weekend like this where everything goes for us, and we could be sitting here next Monday potentially. You know, potentially looking forward to another season in the Premier League and looking forward to trips to you know Fulham and, and Bournemouth and, and, and anywhere else. And I mean, that might be a little bit ambitious and getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Obviously, you only have to look at Burnley, you have you know, such a good run and then have such a difficult result the other day to know that the situation that we're in is so incredibly perilous and nothing can be taken for granted. But I think because nothing can be taken for granted, Watford can't be taken for granted. We can't go there and say they're already relegated. Their home form is terrible. They haven't won in how long. This is going to be, look at our form. Everton, they're going to win this game. They've got to prepare for that with just absolute professionalism and just know that their reward for, for discipline and, and, and professionalism and for approaching that game in the right manner could just be absolutely huge because they could be ultimately the free, you know, the, the way Leeds have, Starting to collapse and say the upcoming fixtures and win at Watford could just take so so much pressure off Everton. Gav, in terms of you know the Watford game on Wednesday, Frank's you know kind of stumbled 
stumbled upon, but it's a bit of blueprint for away games, like we saw at Leicester and Liverpool in recent weeks. Would you like to see more of the same, or would you like to see them be a little bit more expansive and a little bit more taking the game two offers on the front foot? Certainly a bit more expansive yesterday. I would argue in the first half, a bit too expansive um, yeah. yesterday, I think, in the, in, in the first half. Seeing that the break, wasn't it, where you know, Decore's shot sort of stopped on the line and hit the post, you know. So we, we look dangerous on occasion. So I'd just say play like we did yesterday. I, the, the only thing I'm thinking about is there's a couple of things, obviously, Mina is, you know, is Mina available. Then Michael Keane, we should give a shout-out for Michael Keane excellent. Yesterday he came on in difficult circumstances. Yeah, I, I'd say... You don't, you don't have, I'd say, the same shape. I don't know about Delft, but Alan could come in, you know, playing Delft in three days and carries its own risk. So it's an eminently winnable game on Wednesday if we just have the same shape and same desire and same heart as yesterday. Buffards with Hudson going at the end of the season, you know, when they're relegated, are they going to be up for it? Just thinking of Norris yesterday at West Ham. So yeah, it's 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 a very much a winnable game. This, but I don't think we should go hell for leather. They've still got a couple of dangerous players. Uh, but yeah, stay the stay, stay, same shape, same personnel where we're needed, and and uh, take it from there, Connor really, and so we can easily it's an easily a three point game for us if we apply ourselves properly. It's a case of more of the same for you, bees. Or would you like to see some changes and a bit of a freshen up? Uh, no, I think obviously he kept to the same, didn't he, personnel-wise, as he'd done for the Chelsea game. And it's something Gavard mentioned um, a few weeks back, didn't he, where you were saying, Gav, that just get your best 11 as you yeah. see it and, and, and stick with it. I know it's obviously it, it, it's midweek games now and it is next week as well. Five, uh, it was five games in a fortnight, or, you know, another four games to go. But no, I'd, I'd keep it as, as as similar as possible. I don't want to be like overcomplicate things, just as much as they can. I mean, obviously the question marks over the, the players who, who went off there. So you got to see how, how they are. And again, it's really frustrating to see Mina go off and, uh, you know, the repeating the cycle with, with that one, but as much as you can, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd stick it the, the same. And um, hopefully, um, like I said, if, if, if they play to the, the, the full potential, it is very much, you know, a, a winnable fixture and as much as we might have taken four points from the two games before and once you've got that win in the first one and uh, got that monkey off your back you know you, you want another one you want to build on that momentum I can let you know what's coming next as we finish on today's show <laughs> them all important predictions Josh how about you what, what are you feeling for Wednesday night uh, I'd be as positive as I can and, and the most positive I can hope for is I haven't had Obviously, I'm still relatively new to this job. And there hasn't been a game yet where it's been it's been wrapped up with with uh, with more <laughs> it's been wrapped up with five minutes to go. There's always been one goal in it or it's been level, which you know, for, for anybody that yeah. for, for listeners, when you're trying to write eight hundred words for about twenty minutes after a game's finished and uh, you don't know what the actual outcome of that game's gonna be, it's a, it's an absolute nightmare experience. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break that duck this way. I'm gonna say that Everton are gonna win 2-0. Gav, are you, are you feeling as positive as John? Uh fortunately I've not got eight hundred words to uh, <laughs> like, at the end. Uh, <laughs> can I just say this 
this should be like countdown because I was going to say 2 0, and that just looks <laughs> us out and copying off Joe. So I think in future we should have to write our score on a sheet of paper. We <laughs> go on countdown, show it. <laughs> Show it to our fellow podcasters to say we're not copying <laughs> and adding security. Uh, I, I'm going to go with 2 0. I think we're on a bit of momentum. I think Watford, like a lot of teams in the Premier League, are on the beach, as, as they say. And if we, sorry, if we carry on where we've left off over the last two games, 2 0. Beasy going for a full house. I am. I thought, like, like Gav says, we should have been made to put these up at the same time, perhaps, because that's how I, I was just thinking, Evan getting the noses in front. And then maybe just pick Watford off for a second towards the end. That's how that's how I would predict it would go. And hopefully Everton go ahead in the in the first half and then able to sort of catch him on, on the break in the second and other second. So yeah, a hat trick of two nils. What are you going for? I'm gonna go for three nil. Oh yeah. Three, 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 Watford three. or Everton? <laughs> Everton, Gav, come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Might be positive here. Yeah, positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we went 3 0 to eat, I was going to say that's 5 all on aggregate this season, isn't it? Watford. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another incentive, isn't it, Gav? I mean, that, that's yeah. where the decline all started. So hopefully, you can. Yeah, end yeah, it. exactly. What we're hoping is that these two games will show like the polar opposites of our season, but in a positive way. Yeah. If they win 3 0, then they'll have a better goal difference than Burnley as well, which, you know, it all, all matters. Well, yeah, it's another incentive, isn't it? So. Let's, yeah. let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I, I just hope for your sake, Joe, it's not nil nil on 89 minutes, you know. <laughs> we did some Real Madrid impression in the last, <laughs> time, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on now. I think for the whole resort, I hope it's not nil nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> But now, lads, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a, a, a rather positive, upbeat podcast as ever. We've the bottom three and give themselves give the chance of survival a huge boost. Well, you've been listening to the Real Blue Podcast. I've been your host, Conor O'Neill, joined by Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland. We'll be back towards the end of the week to look back on Everton's game with Watford's and Victor Drolls, their overall Premier League picture after another midweek round of games and preview next weekend's Goodison Park clash against Brentford. But for today, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.